0: World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Welcome to Honey. I'm homeschooling the kids. I'm so happy that you're here. My name is Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. And. I just am so always, every episode, I'm so happy that you're tuning in and joining me on this wonderful home learning, or actually life learning journey, really. It's a life learning journey for all of us, especially us as parents, not just our kids. So in this episode, it's another recording from our clubhouse room. And this is from our room in September, back in the beginning of September. And this is part two. I had already aired on the podcast the first part of getting started in our from our Saturday morning room that I host with Liana Francisco. And that first room that I'd shared on the podcast was really the, the beginning part of like paperwork and getting that part organized and that how-to, the very early stages of just beginning your homeschooling journey. So if you missed that, I encourage you to go back to that episode. It's a great conversation this one was a part two, it was the following Saturday, because we were continuing that month with September with the theme of getting started in your homeschooling. All of our clubhouse brooms followed that theme and ways and great tips on getting started. So this episode is our Saturday morning room, Liana and I, where we started exploring values and guiding purpose. And if you've listened to my podcast, if you follow me on social media, if you get my emails, you'll know that I'm really big about, you know, when you're getting started with home educating, unschooling, self-directed learning, what's really key is establishing and getting clear on your values and guiding purpose around learning, family life, parenting, childhood, those big ideas that really are the base for learning, life learning, the important part is getting clear on your values and guiding purpose so that it helps you to deal with naysayers. It helps with your own personal doubts and fears, choices that come up that you have to make. All of that gives you that that base or foundation to reflect on, to make better choices, to be able to explain your whys and your reasoning, and, um, and really to compare when, you know, When you're wondering what you should do or have dealt on what you should do, going back to, oh, this is what's important to me. You know, our base, our values, a guiding purpose our family is connection. It's autonomy. It's respect, self-respect, respect for ourselves and for others. It's maybe adventure. Does this choice that I'm facing, if I make this choice, will it support our values and guiding purpose? You'll know very quickly and clearly if it does or doesn't. And then that choice, it helps you to make that choice because you're making that choice from that foundation. So this episode, this Clubhouse recording is talking about that and has others, you know, if you've listened on our, if you're part of the Clubhouse community, you've listened to the last episode. The great thing about it is it's a conversation. So anyone joining our room is like a discussion group. So you get to be the fly in the wall of this discussion group and there were many others in the room that just listened that didn't ask questions or share stories and and that's That's awesome as well, being an active listener, and so you get to be an active listener on this as well. So enjoy the episode. If you would like to be part of our Clubhouse conversations, go to the Clubhouse app. Actually, you can go to my Instagram, and in my tap bio, I have a link to our club in Clubhouse, Honey, I'm Homeschooling, and it will give you our weekly schedule, and and you can sign up as well, and it's free. And we run rooms Saturday morning, this is North America time, Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Mountain time. Mondays at 11 a.m. Mountain time, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Mountain time, 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. And then now we have a room that runs Thursdays as well. Thursday afternoons, 1 p.m. Mountain time, 3 p.m. Eastern time. The Thursday rooms are now focused on elementary and younger years. So if that your children are in that age group, that's a great room to join. Mondays are about keeping homeschooling simple and ways we can do that. Tuesdays is usually my room, my special room, where I have a special guest or a special topic that we explore. And Saturdays, Liana Francisco and I co-host that room. Sometimes we have guests, sometimes it's the two of us, but that room is always based on the foundation of connection and relationships. So check us out there and enjoy this episode. So I'm Robin Robertson, the host and creator of the podcast, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. I'm an unschooling parent to two kids, and we've been doing this for almost nine years, Uh, as well as I'm I'm a public school board trustee in my area. And... Yeah, you know, all the things, I think it could list all of the things that we do in our life and roles, but those are the main, main things that bring us here. So um, Liana, I'll pass the mic to you and let you introduce yourself.
1: Hello, everyone. That's great. Robin, I, I love doing these rooms with you every weekend. And I do the room with Kelly in this club on Monday as well. And it's just, yeah, it's just such a place for me to have community and to (laughs) remember it keeps me in line all the rest of the week to like walk my talk with my parenting and just like the way that I show up in the world so it's just so helpful for me so um I am, like Robin said, I grew up as an unschooler. I'm 38, so that was being unschooled in the 80s and the 90s, back when it was not a thing yet to do that. Um, So the world was so different when I was unschooling. The assumptions that people made about how children were educated and how children learn was just so, so radically different, Um, particularly concepts of compliance and obedience and all of that was just was a huge element of education. And obviously that's still a, a component today. Um, there's there's just such a different understanding of the way children's brains develop and why they behave in different ways and stuff. So the world is so different. And so that's why I love being parts of these rooms now because I am um, an unschooling parent now. I have a four and a half year old little boy and he is like wild and crazy and he loves his unschooling life um and so for me getting to both bring the perspective of having grown up that way really second generation homeschooling is different because you you do have a lot of um a lot of experience with it and just like a comfort level with knowing that it's an okay choice and that everything will work out okay right? There's a comfort level with that, that I know that is a real a real gift to me. And yet the world has changed so much and the resources available to homeschoolers are so different. So I love being uh, both bringing my grounded perspective of like, this works out, this is fine, this is a safe choice. And then also always learning from all of you um, about the way things are now with homeschooling and what's available for all of us. So that's what I'm doing here in the room today. I'm also um, a work from home parent. Uh, I have a husband that right now in our season of life, he works full time outside the home and he's really enjoying that. So I would think we're probably going to keep it that way for a while, but he really loves loves being out doing what he's doing. And then I have two two-ish different businesses that I run. One um, is a vegan breakfast sandwich business, and it's a wholesale business that I run in town with a business partner. We sell frozen, a frozen food product. And then I also do a, I have a coaching consulting business where I have two primary services. One is helping parents with plant-based eating, and the other is project management. So um, it's a really fun fun life where I'm like always juggling and doing lots of different things and figuring out what life means for me. So that's why I'm happy to be here with all of you guys today.
0: All right. That's fun. I, I, uh, I think you guys know, Leanna, it's true. Leanna talked about being, she is a very grounded person and, um, yeah, I like always, I like hosting our Saturday morning rooms together and it's the same. It's It's, it's community for me and keeps me on track as well, too. There's always great reminders that come up for me as well. And I really appreciate you and everyone else that joins us on these Saturdays. So thank you, everybody. Um, I am on. I started recording. So Liana and I said we, were, we would record these homeschool getting started sessions. Uh, our first one that we did last Saturday will air on the podcast on Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids podcast coming up right away very soon um, within the next week or two. Uh, and then, after following this one will air. So so everyone knows this room is being recorded. That's why we have that little recording sign beside the title. Um, so if there's something that's missed, you'll get to hear it again. and otherwise, just I guess be open or cognizant of the fact that it is recording. So, if you're coming up on stage, this will be recorded and aired on the podcast. Usually, if you're a patron on my in my Patreon community, uh, the recordings are uh, go on there first, so patrons do have first access to any of these recordings on in Patreon. Um, all right, so today, Liana, we were going to talk about part two. We wanted to focus on building family rhythms or learning rhythms, and then building community. It's kind of like a building <laughs> building uh, episode or building room today on those other kind of outlying factors or parts of our learning life that are still essential and important. Um, So why don't we talk about first building our rhythms, our learning rhythms and our family rhythms. And I know you and I both agreed when we had a really brief text discussion on rhythms that it's really important for both of our families that we recognize that the rhythms first are unique to our families that just because maybe we might hear about someone recommending a schedule or, you know, this is the way that you should do things and have kids ready at this time and really space out this time or do read aloud first or do this kind of thing. um, Maybe it works for that family or for some families, but just keep in mind that building and developing your rhythms they belong to you and you can always try and, you know, experiment with things, but, and that's okay. And, but just to give space and time to try and retry, some things might work, some things might not, and it's okay to give yourself the space and time to try it out until you find what does work for you. Um, I know, for example, some families are early risers and some, you know, they get started right away. Others, or maybe they have one or two people in the family that are early risers and maybe those are the kids uh, or it's the opposite. And so different things like getting started in, you know, one family that says the first thing they actually do is go outside and that's the beginning of their day. And it works really, really well for them. And they spend a couple hours outside before coming in and doing whatever they're going to do for the day. Um, Other families, like my family, for example, I am an early riser. Uh, Out of my two kids, my daughter gets up earlier. So usually her and I, my husband has gone to work and her and I have that time, just the two of us. And we usually have our rhythm is we wake up and just kind of have like a little snuggle session and we do read aloud time together. We usually have a an ongoing novel or sometimes even a short picture book she's 12 but we still enjoy picture books um we've got some great ones that we've accumulated over the years from different places uh but we you know we do a read aloud together and if it's a novel we're just doing a continuing novel and we both really enjoy that um and then my son when he's home will wake up on his time and either sit and listen with us or he'll do his thing until we get breakfast going and um I used to make breakfast for everybody, but now it's kind of gotten to think where my kids make their own. They know what they want and like, and so they maybe they might make one for me and I'll sit on the stool and <laughs> enjoy watching them cook and share in the food that they provide. And uh, then we go about our day. And also the rhythms for us, What as our, my kids have become older uh, and they've really understood What they need more, um, they have created their own rhythms as well. So, my daughter is her personality is she likes to have things more organized and um, planned out. So, she has her little notebook, a little mini notebook, and she writes out her days in those notebooks. So, usually the night before, she'll write out what she wants to do the next day and she keeps that open on one of our counters. And I can see it and she can see, you know, it's open for my husband can see it. And it's there, like she kind of leaves it available for us to view and we can see, oh, so I see you wanted to, um, you wanted to, you wanted to paint today. Did you need any, like, do you have all the supplies? Do you need help with anything? And she'll say, no, you know, I've I've already got this planned out. Or, yeah, I thought maybe you and I could do this together or, you know, maybe she, you know, there's something else that she wanted to explore and do. And she and she wanted me to be there with her or to help her with something. Um, This way, I can also see her day and what's coming up and, and we can talk about and communicate what she has on her page, what she would like me to be present for and what she doesn't. She's totally happy to be independent and on her own with. So that's kind of something that she's developed over the years that works really well for her. Um, My son is a little bit different. Sometimes he'll write some stuff down. Sometimes not. He's not as much of a stickler for that. And um, he's definitely a lot more go with the flow. But he really is at his best when he's outside doing his thing, Um, whether that's like scouting uh, building something, hiking. Uh, he's a big hunter and fisherman. Uh, whether he's doing that, he's gone fishing. Um, I, really for him when he's outside doing those things is really what like he's like he feels like he says he's like the top of top of his game then. So it's allowing space and opportunity for him to do that. When he's inside, and I will say, because a lot of, and I know Liana and I are going to have a room separate on this because it's always something that comes up, is screen time. My kids definitely like their screen time. My my son's really into anime. Um, So there are times when, you know, he will, hours and hours he's watching anime. Um, He loves anime. He's really, really into that. Um, Both of my kids still play Minecraft. And, oh, shoot, what's the big one? the big video game. I can't believe. I just, it just like my mind just blanked there on the name. Uh, Liana, what's that one where they can like fly in and they have the different outfits and the dances and. Oh my gosh. I
1: don't know if the outfits and dances. I uh, thought you were going to say Roblox.
0: No. They are uh, Minecraft kids. I don't know the outfits and dances. How did my so mind, to it's probably the biggest video game out there right now. My mind just blanked on it. Okay. Some of you, one of you guys messages, direct yeah. messages, which one yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> she, what is she talking about? How did that happen? They both love doing that. My, my daughter especially has uh, loves playing. She plays with friends. They like, she especially has one friend that the two of them will meet up in the evening online and play. Um, oh my goodness. I can't believe my name my, is just blanked out for me. Okay. It'll come, It'll come. It'll come. Fortnite, <laughs> thank you. I see a bunch of people. Just oh, happening. I was going to say Fortnite. Fortnite. Thank you. Thank I thought you. that was a fighting game. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it is that too. There's a whole bunch of stuff involved in Fortnite. You're like, yeah. Oh my Fortnite. gosh. Fortnite. I have two DMs with two Fortnite, Fortnite. I do too. Kareem, Marnie, Ruby, Diane. all like, Fortnite, <laughs> yes. Thank, that's right, Jennifer. Yeah, Fortnite, yes. Um, yeah, so that's incorporated into our days as well too, or other like YouTube or... um. Wow, my mind is TikTok, (laughs) TikTok and, you know, and dances and recipes and all those sort of things. So that's incorporated into our learning flow as well. But it really is directed by my kids in that way. And I'm they know I'm there to support them. The other part of our flow and our rhythm is um, I also work, you know, you heard Liana and I will talk about we run businesses. I'm also a public school board trustee. Uh, So sometimes I do a lot of my own work at home, which is great. Um, But sometimes I have to be out of the home for meetings and things. So for us, what really helps is we actually have a calendar on our wall in the kitchen, a big calendar. And the beginning of every month or the end of every month for the next month, we actually write take that calendar and I write it all of my meetings, um, any times that I know for sure that I have to be out or I can't be available. Um, I usually have a a certain color that I highlight it. It's like usually blue kind of thing so that they, everyone knows when I am not present. Um, and that we can make accommodations or work around that. uh, or if there's any things like podcast interviews or any other planning and things like that as well, that I have to be, you know, in my office for then, um, that's all on the calendar. If my kids have things like parkour or volleyball or whatever they're involved in, all of that goes on the calendar. And then there, there are certain things like important dates or we still do one-on-one date days. Um, things like that are scheduled on our calendar. So it's set as well. And so everyone knows what's going on for the month. If there are certain scheduled activities too. Um, yeah. And then we have things like every Friday is board game Friday. Um, That's something we started about a year ago. And my daughter requested specifically to keep that in our rotation. Um, So we get up and we play board games for hours for as long as we want to. Um, So and and then years ago, we used to have a baking day once a week. It used to be every Wednesday was baking day. And we would the kids would each choose a recipe they wanted to create. We would spend the days before gathering the ingredients and reading through how to do it or watching how to do the recipe. And then Wednesday was devoted to creating in the kitchen. And we, we kind of moved away from that. But this year, my daughter asked if we could add that back into our rotation, if we can have a specific day that's our dedicated baking day again. Um, so we are adding that back in. I think it's going to be Tuesdays. And that will be our kitchen day where we create. Baking creations, uh, or specifically, my kids will be creating them, and I'll be the assistant chef. I'll be the sous chef or the assistant to them, and um, yeah. So that's that's a very loose flow and rhythm, but at the same time, we keep it. You know, it's not set in stone. Uh, if it has to shift and change, we are aware that that happens, and that's okay because also things come up and happen. So um, there, I just kind of gave a really. I wasn't planning to actually give you a breakdown of how that week our weeks kind of look for the moment. But that's a loose idea of how that works out. Um, Leanna, how about you guys? Oh, I love that.
1: So, no, flow is kind of everything. And I feel like it's amazing to me now watching... um... the Facebook groups that I'm in for like the local one for homeschooling and like Instagram things that I follow and YouTubers and all that. It's like, everyone is talking about schedules right now. Like what's our homeschool schedule? What's our homeschool routine, all of that. And there's nothing wrong with calling these things, schedules and routines as well. It, except that unless it puts you in a mindset of, you know, rigidity or that there's a right or a wrong way to do it. And I think that's why it's a really interesting thing to just, um, to switch it up and call it rhythms or your flow or something like that, because it really, it's a bit of a pattern interrupt for all of us. Right. it's like, we don't have to stick to a schedule or a routine to be successful at something. We can have goals and, Ideas of what we're moving towards and a plan for sure, but rhythm implies flexibility with it. We don't have to do this for forty-five minutes. We could do this for three hours if that's what we're all enjoying doing right now. Or we don't have to do it today. We can do it tomorrow. (laughs) And I love what you're seeing with the baking and everything. Like, oh, we'll just we'll just see how this goes. But you know, your kid might get super into whatever they're doing on Monday and need to continue that all week long. Um, That was a huge part for my childhood that I felt like was such a gift was when you were able to deep dive into something that you discovered or, or an art project you started, or even like a puzzle or something or a novel, like you were able to just sort of, um, with, with the, when we allow for flexibility in schedules and rhythms, you can just absorb yourself in what you're actually enjoying doing. And that's, in my opinion, the same skill and in my experience as an adult now, the same skill that allows you to complete creative projects and focus projects is that skill of like, once you get started on it, you just keep doing it and you do the next thing, the
0: next thing, the next thing you follow the inspiration on it until it's completed. Uh, Sorry, Leanna, and I, I think, think that's, that's a key. really important point. Can you repeat yeah. that again?
1: <laughs> well, I was saying that I think that the skill of being able to complete a creative project can come from, you can build that skill when you're a child and allowed to sink into flow. So for example, if you begin something or you discover something, you're reading a book and you're like, oh, look at this cool craft project. I want to make one of those and you get into it and you begin to do the work of it and you don't stop because you get the next hit of inspiration and the next hit of inspiration. That is a, the, that same feeling that I would get as a kid in those times of my life is the same feeling that I get when I'm completing and following through with the creative project. I got an idea for but I'm not sure if I'd be good at that if I hadn't had that experience as a child. Can you relate to that, Robin? Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I actually just wanted you to repeat that because I think that's a really important point, especially when I hear many times that because things are don't fit into a schedule, especially when maybe we see them in a the classroom or school type of schedule, that um, it becomes a bit of an uncomfortable point for parents sometimes. Uh, just say be like, you mean, I just let my kids keep doing this? Like, shouldn't we get to this? Like, there's things that need to be done and accomplished. Shouldn't we make sure these are done first? Um, that we, because of the way school is structured, and for many of us that have grown up in that school structure, we think that life should follow that same type of class schedule. But life and creativity, learning, um, and flow doesn't necessarily follow that type of class schedule and structure. So I I just really wanted to like press that point a little bit more. And that's why I wanted you, because especially with your experience growing up on schooling, being a project consultant and coordinator, how that works for you and how that fit from your unschooling life to your adult life and how that still works. So
1: Absolutely. No, it's actually, it's a super, it really is a superpower I have in my project management work because I not only do the project management for people, but I coach people and teach them on how to do it well, like within organizations. And it is huge, like being able to just allow yourself to focus on the priority at hand and just stay in it and don't get distracted by the other things. To the point, even when I was a little kid, I remember like we would get like super absorbed in an art project that might involve like a huge mess, you know, like the kitchen (laughs) or, you know, maybe making like the kitchen unusable or something. And rarely would my mom be like, y'all have to clean that up. I have to make dinner. It would just be like, um... I guess, I guess we'll just like make some peanut butter sandwiches or something since there's no room to cook dinner in here tonight. You know, it was that sort of a thing that we could literally just sort of keep going with what we were absorbed in. And um, so that, that's huge. And I think on that oftentimes as I'm designing flow within my little family is how can I allow, like, how can I remove the barriers to stopping? what we're enjoying right now? And how can I remove distractions um, so that we can just keep going forward in this, in this passion that we've discovered, even if that passion is just a book we're reading or with me having a four and a half year old, that passion is often, you know, like pouring things. Like yesterday we, I brought home a bunch of baking soda and vinegar and food coloring, and we just sat in the ground and he just poured baking soda and food coloring and vinegar and baking soda and food coloring and vinegar. And it was like an hour. And I was like, Oh, I just, I felt myself getting done and bored and irritated and wanting to move him along. I also felt myself being like, Oh my gosh, I just bought all these ingredients and they're going to be gone in like two seconds. I mean, he went through like half a gallon of vinegar. And again, my thought was like that vinegar cost $2.90. Like I I think that he can use the whole gallon today if he needs to, you know, it was just like talk about cheap thrills, right? So it was just such a, a reminder moment for me of this is why we're doing this is so that he can continue to explore and continue to learn and continue to stay in flow and know that um, his explorations are worthwhile. So that's um, a little bit of a tangent, but <laughs> Um, I can talk a little more about our flow. Yeah, I just actually want to wanted to ask you a it? question
0: because I, I thought that was great when you you talked about designing flow. How do you remove the barriers to that stop flow? What are some of the things that you found that um that are best for like what barriers are there and how do you remove them then to keep that flow going? Absolutely.
1: So it depends on what we're doing for sure, but I um I find oftentimes if my son is in some sort of imagination play or doing something independent from me, um, he's either in two modes, one mode that he wants me near him. Actually, it's usually, it's usually one thing he wants me near him, but without interacting and distracting him. So I have to, I don't comment on what he's doing. I don't say anything about it. I, um, I don't talk to him. I don't say, Oh, wow, that's so cool. Or I like how you're doing that puzzle. Or I love that game you're playing, but I also don't get far enough away from him that he notices that I'm gone. And I know that's like a really intense sort of balance, but, um, for young children, I find that in other, with other young children I've cared for, that's a huge factor as well. It's like, they want you near enough that they don't have to get distracted and have to go looking for you, but they don't want, they also, it's so easy for us to pull them out of their flow with our own ideas right. and our own Presence, not, so not interference. And exactly. Yeah. And I literally like physical presence. Like if I were to just be like, oh, he's doing this. I'm going to go like make dinner. That's not going to do it. But if I say, I'm going to run and go get my tea or go get my coffee and, um, and a notebook or something like that. And if I come back and can sit next to him and draw or write or something near him, um, that's great. Another thing that will kill the flow immediately with young kids in my experience is if I get out any sort of electronic device to use near them that they're not involved in, that's immediately, <laughs> at least for my son and other little kids I take care of that. It's like, it's just immediately they want to know what you're doing with it. Or they also feel like, obviously what you're doing is more interesting than what I'm doing. So I need to disengage for what I'm doing to see what you're doing. Um, and so that's really huge too is like keeping your phone in your pocket as much as possible or narrating what you're doing like sometimes i'll say oh well you're doing this i'm just going to do some invoices for the breakfast sandwiches on my phone while you do that and he's like oh okay and then that's fine cuz he knows what i'm up to i'm not doing something that he thinks is interesting on my phone right so that can be really huge too is narrating with them but the other thing for as far as like continuing just to create flow in general is think planning a little bit to have the next activity that you think could inspire them available. Like that baking soda vinegar thing, like that was planned. Uh, He had been home with his caregiver, babysitter, nanny person in the morning. And I made sure that when I came home, I had an idea of something fun and stimulating for him to do that he hadn't done in a while. And so I just went outside with all the ingredients and he followed me in. and said, what is this? What is this? And he was able to just get into that flow. But if I had just come home and been like, oh, how was your time? What'd you do? And then didn't have anything to offer him or any ideas of what we could do together. He probably would have just wanted to watch something on his screen you know, but I was able to basically strew something for him. And that makes me Can we really maybe quickly
0: well. define strew for anyone that is not sure that may be joining us who's never heard of the word strew before, especially when it comes to homeschooling or Yeah.
1: You know, I hadn't know, I didn't know that word until probably a year ago when I first started doing more, um, actively learning about how people do like homeschool preschool (laughs) and stuff like that. Um, But strewing is this concept where you leave an activity or an an enticing invitation to play or learn something out and accessible to children without really saying anything about it or saying, look, I bought you this cool thing. It's here. Or or, look, I set it all your Play-Doh for you to play with. You just set out the Play-Doh and walk away. Maybe play with it yourself. Walk away or you um, set out a puzzle for my son. Oftentimes I, he can't just do a puzzle on his own yet, but I set out a small puzzle where I put it all um, in the right order, but separate, not connected. And then he can sit down next to it and put it together himself. And he really loves doing that. So that's an example of a strew, just leaving it out or building half of a block
0: tower. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. That's a good one. I was also going to add, too, that it can be any even books. I know I've gone to the library and, and gotten out a stack of books on completely different things and then just kind of brought them home and laid them out. And, you know, sometimes it, one might pique an interest out of all of them. Sometimes there might be a whole bunch. It might be a discussion as we're flipping through, or maybe none of them are attached. May, you know, it doesn't. My kids are like, yeah, all right, that's that's nothing that really at the moment sparks my interest. And that's all all right as well. Um, So there's many like natural materials outside, um, you know things like I think for my older kids for any of you that have older kids as well something that really is a form of strewing that I did with my, my daughter for example just recently um, she had talked about when we' gone through our our idea framework for the year and I was and I, I'd shared this on my on an Instagram live and on my Instagram as well if you, anyone wants to go back and look through it's on my highlights under planning how we do that for the year because we do have to submit a home education plan to our government for the year. Um, and how we kind of start sketching that out. And she sits down with, and I go through, she talks about all the things she wants to do and the things that questions that she has or things she wants to try out. And I just sit and write them all down, just make notes <laughs> and write and write and write them all down. And uh, from that, one of the things that I saw, there was a few things that kind of kept popping up. And um, I there was a few... Um, classes or courses that I had seen before that kind of related to some of the things that she wanted to try. So I, in a way of strewing, I was like, Hey, Hey, I, uh, you know, I have, I saw some of these either subscription services or cool classes that you might be interested that deal with, you know, that are like baking specific or that have something with, um, you know, for example, geography was one thing she wanted to talk about, you know, diving more into learning about different countries around the world. And uh, so I showed her, you know, we went online and I showed her different ones. And she was like, yeah, this for sure. I'd like to try this. No, I don't really care about that. Yes, actually, could we like could we try this for a few months or yeah, let's like let's try this right now and see if it works. And then maybe we can do it again. So um, that worked, uh, you know, for an, an older uh, kids example, that was one of the things. So, I mean, uh, so, you know, there's, here's a shout out to like Yolanda Gamp had a cake it. She's got a great YouTube channel. My kids have watched for years. And um, so now she has like um, ongoing courses from different bakers. And, and so my daughter enrolled and she's, my kids have done a camp with her before. Um, and then she has different people doing different courses. So she in, enrolled in a, in a, in a more, you know, uh, a higher level kind of baking course, so just a one-time one, one time afternoon course kind of thing uh, that we registered for to try and see she might do more or we try, we're trying a subscription service um, One that has foods from around the world. Um, Another one we're going to try a science one and see just if that works or if we just gather our own materials. And so that's led to other things as well. So strewing can look, you know, you it's really introducing so many different things into your life or or like that invitation to learning is what it's called in early childhood. And I think that applies to any age, not just early childhood. There's different invitations that you can introduce even as well. So.
1: I really like that. I also feel like it speaks to, I think sometimes people think with older unschoolers that parents are just supposed to be like, what do you want to do? And just like be hands off entirely with their kids, which I, mean, most kids, even older, t- in, well, maybe middle-aged teenagers, like they aren't maybe going to know how to access and find all those things that are of interest to them. So you still are strewing and strewing might look like a conversation when they're older, right? Like exactly what you were illustrating. I think that's really cool to help them find the resources about the learning they may or may not be interested in, but leaving the final decision up to them. I feel like the hardest thing about all of that and <laughs> the strewing pieces is not being offended when your kid doesn't want to yes. do the thing you thought to yes. be really fun, right? It's like, what do you mean yeah. you don't want to do? out
0: it's gonna be so fun and they don't want to and you're like okay fine I well, think that was a Leanne, lot of work, I think that's right. a key thing <laughs> as well on. thank you for saying that because um you know that strewing is offering that invitation you know but th- that goes also along with a whole other thing with us as parents our expectations and bring our expectations when we bring our all of our expectations and fears as well, because many times expectations are hand in hand with our fears um, into something like strewing where we're like, yes, we're going to be open and here's different things that might be of interest to you. It really is, you know, this might be of interest to you, but. Um, or else it might be of interest to me, but I also, you know, you have to let go of the fact that maybe it isn't of any interest to your kids and it's not an affront to you personally, or it's not anything that's wrong if they don't pick it up. Uh, that's you know, that's their choice. It doesn't spark their interest or it doesn't have any at the moment, maybe it doesn't have any value for them and that's okay. Totally. Yes. Yeah.
1: Or they're in flow with something else. Like, like you were saying with your yeah. son with the anime and stuff, like, you know, there just might be a time where there's not going to be anything that's going to pull him away from that because there's yes. like an amazing storyline yes. he's watching at that point in time or something, you know, and that's just going to be it. And that's all. He's going to watch that entire season without being able to
0: do anything yeah, else until that's right. it's and over because he's it just it enjoying it so after much. and not want to talk about anything else. And that's okay. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> 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 there was somebody, someone posted this great meme online that I saw that was like, Something about basically the um, the amazing sainthood of like having to listen to your kid talk That's about so a YouTube video. Like <laughs> you're just like sitting so like, uh huh. Uh-huh. That's great. <laughs> I, my nephew is 11, and he spends a lot of time with us, and he watches he watches the YouTube videos of the people playing video games. And then he wants oh, yeah. to tell me all about that video. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it's like, oh wow, this is just so far out of my interest zone, but I love you. So I'm just going to I do want to say something to that
0: because my- oh. I had that experience. I don't know if all of you, um, if any of you have kids who like Minecraft and there is, I'm sure there still is. I don't think they have really watched it as much anymore. There's this YouTuber called Stampy, Stampy cat. And he, youtube's about minecraft and his minecraft games and so it's one of those things where they'd always talk about stampy and all of them stampy so funny and what stampy created in minecraft and all that sort of stuff and it was the same i was kind of like yeah yeah okay you know you listen and yeah okay okay and then one day i watched stampy (laughs) and i was like i told my kids i'm like okay I'm like, I watched Stampy Cat. I get it. Like I laughed the whole entire thing. I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Oh my. And he had like his girlfriend he brought in and she does these other, like, it was just like, you know, I, I didn't bring any of those. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to sit, you know, it was just like, you know what, I'm going to check this out. And I had no other ideas around it. And I appreciate, I got a chance to actually appreciate it and enjoy it. And then you know, and then after I told, you know, we watched another thing, another stampy together and laughed and laughed and laughed. And I laughed so hard. And it was like, OK, I, I, I get it now. I appreciate. I see what you see. And um, but I probably wouldn't have otherwise if they, you know, they hadn't brought it with such importance because they were speaking to it so much. Uh, it, it was it was a nice connection in that way, too. So I just wanted to share that. I totally see that.
1: Oh, that's so good. Um, another thing too, when we were talking about the continuing the flow for kids, you know, I find that it's, it's really important for my mental health and my ability to focus, to have a neat environment. Now I know that's not everyone's need or requirement, but if it is a requirement for your kid, they can have a really hard time sinking into or staying in flow in, um, in a mess. And so, you know, that, that I think is a really just an important thing to know and help them with that skill, or even when they're quite young, um, clean up after them along with their support. You know I mean? They can only, they can help clean up, but they're, they're only, so effective, right? So, you know, they can do what they can do and you can do what you can do. Um, But I do find Mm -hmm. that like, if there's a environment, like my son's different play areas or our art supply area, if things are messy and hard to get to, and there's just too much there even, then he does not get into a creative mode. But if I'm able to help him keep everything very neat, And clean and only have the things he needs in that moment and even help him as he's working on it, keeping the space clean, wiping things up for him and moving things out of the way and getting him a clean whatever he might need. And really being like his artist assistant in that way, it makes a huge difference for his ability to stay in flow. And same thing about just like a messy playroom. As well, it's a and and for older kids that that wasn't a skill I learned as a kid, and I had to learn it as an adult.
0: And it's, uh, I think uh, that's really a great thing to mention as family. well, especially as because I think it absolutely relates to your rhythms and flows. Uh, I, I'm the same as well, I like to have a fairly organized space just for myself. I, I noticed that before I do any other work, creative work, I kind of clean up the space around me, um, and it's actually. Perfect timing because I was actually going to mention Allison. Allison, thanks for coming up to the stage because we've had this conversation, Allison, briefly about also, um, you know, for some that have believe, you know, or, you know, have minimalism or simplicity, not having so many things that overwhelm as well, that sometimes spaces um, really help with that too, having a simple space as well. Uh, and, and that looks different for everyone as well. I think Allison, you can probably speak to this a little bit more too. But I, you know, it's kind of like when when there's so many things, and you go and you look around, and it's almost like, where do I start? What do I choose? And keeping things simple and and kind of like it's like creating that space, creating that openness to be open and to move and to create your flow. Uh, it really that environment and, and supporting having that actual physical environment also helps that internal learning environment as well, too, or that creative, internal creative space as well. So, Allison, is that what
2: one of the things you wanted to mention or did you want to speak to that? I can speak to that. That's not why I came up. But, um, yes, I'm very much on that premise of kind of minimalism and um, keeping a space clean because um, my kids, like my daughter, gets when it's time to clean up. And while it's fun and games, when it's, you know, pulling all the things out to play with and setting everything up when it's time to clean up, because in our space, I like the living room and everything to be cleaned up by the end of the day, because that helps me and my flow. And then however they want their rooms, they can have their rooms and they're young. So I have to help them in some of that cleaning up. But when it came to cleaning up everything, my daughter would just panic it was just sheer panic like how am I going to clean all of this stuff up and we just found that it's easier to have less stuff and they tend to play more and value the items they have um, when you have less we had listened to a story on a podcast once about um, it was like a king who had all the things and then this um this other girl in the village who had just the few items and the prince had said, I want to see your items. If you value these so much, I must have them. And, um, the girl was just content with her five little items and the prince realized he doesn't need a lot to be happy. And I think, and I think for a lot of us, that's, we don't realize that we need that until we start doing it. And it's a process and a lifestyle commitment. Um, but just to know that less is more. And I know for us, when we go camping and stuff and being out and having just less, we spend and connect much more together than sometimes when we're at home in the chaos of other things and toys and life and stuff. So, um, yeah, so that's my thing on keeping your house kind of minimalized. The other thing I was going to mention was like for us this week, it's, I have a three- and five-year-old, and um, naturally, my five-year-old would be starting uh, kindergarten this year, and uh, and this week, they've been all about, Mom, we don't want you to play with us, which was kind of great, because I was like, ooh, I can get a lot of work done, I got stuff around the farm to do, cool, but then at the same time, I think, ooh, shouldn't we be learning something, like, shouldn't this be happening, like, shouldn't we be doing this, and so I have to kind of stop myself and decompress a little and go, it's okay. They're okay. They're in their own world. They have some sort of fantasy thing going on about a summer camp and this whole big old story going on. And they've just been content with each other. We've played outside a lot more since the weather's been cool here. And we had nature class. We went on a hike this week. So I think just the past two days, they really needed to decompress and be at home and have a slow rhythm. And I think we need to recognize sometimes that we don't always have to be doing something. It's okay to actually do nothing and to accept that sometimes kids just need that process. And I feel like, especially with a lot of new homeschoolers who are seeing, you know, all their, what their, their friends and stuff will be learning that they feel the need that they have to learn something right now. And, and I think, you know, they're learning. And for us, learning is a lot through play and, knowing that and feeling that, um, I feel like for me, at least this week has been a big part of my de-schooling process and, you know, thinking it through, but, uh, just for anybody who's like that. And another thing, um, I would say is each day at the end of the day, I kind of write down what the kids did. So at the end of the week I can look at and go, Oh, we actually did, quite a bit of stuff, even though it looked like we weren't doing anything. And it kind of helps me reassure myself when it comes to, you know, that feeling, are the kids learning something? And again, when life, we don't always have to be learning something. We can just speak, impress, and, and be part of life. And I'm Alison and Mount.
1: Oh, Alison, those are so good. Um I would love for us to schedule some time either in this room or my room with Kelly for us to talk about um, more of like the maintaining the clutter free homes
0: and stuff because you and I have yeah, that. Yeah, let's economy. do it in this room because I want to talk about and it too. Sorry, Kelly. So <laughs> sure
1: okay, <laughs> sorry, good. Kelly. She can. Yes. Okay, good. Well, sorry, <laughs> Kelly. Maybe she can join us. <laughs> um, that's not so, um, and I'm sure there's other people that have amazing things to offer for that too, but that's been a journey my family's been on for a really long time now and it just feels so amazing when you start to integrate it into your life. Um, So I'd love to talk about that, but also Allison, your piece about the kids just needing, I think that is just, that is gold. That's like the essence of it. Uh, and the thought that like parents should be facilitating the play and the fun and the learning because what else are we doing there, right? Like we're supposed to be homeschooling, right? <laughs> I mean, even if we're unschooling, shouldn't we be doing something to teach them? We just have this idea still. And I mean, I can tell you, um, I don't think my mom played with us like ever. <laughs> like, I really don't think she did. Like, she read to us whenever we wanted to read. Um, She would read for hours and hours and hours and hours a day. Sometimes poor lady. I mean, we made her read terrible stuff too. Like all the babysitter club books, you know, we'd make her read like six in a day. It was awful. And, um, and she, and she cooked and she cleaned and she took care of us and she drove us places and she, you know, managed our household and all of that. Um, but, my mom was not outside in the yard doing anything with us most of the time. And we would have our times with friends and we would be doing more of a science experiment type thing, but she was a facilitator of um, taking care of everybody and making sure everyone was safe and happy and healthy and fed. She wasn't, constantly preoccupied with, um, facilitating art learning. And I think that's just a really important thing that I think back on all the time, like what was my mom doing in these times? And, and kind of what would I wish that she would do? Because sometimes I did wish that she had more time to sit on the floor and play dolls with me or something. And that 10 minutes of that would have, you know, would have gone a long way for me as a little kid. So I try to remember that too, and like do those things, but also remember that, um, it's okay to not, not be on the floor playing the imagination game with the kids. And everyone turns out still.
2: That's interesting. Well, and I think the idea too. Sorry, no. Go ahead. I think the idea too is that when when they ask you, "Hey, will you play with me?" You need to be able to stop and do it because when they want it is when they crave it, and that's. And I know that's hard for me because sometimes you are in your own projects and you're doing you know this, that, and the other. But to not sit there and put it off, you know what I mean. So. I think a lot of times it's, you know, when they crave it, they crave it. And if they're like, Hey mom, will you read me a book? I'm like, yes, yes, we can do that. Or Hey mom, will you help us with this? Yes, yes, I can do that. Um, and to kind of stop what you're doing and, focus on them because they will have their time that they just leave or they just kind of, like you said, Liana just want you in the room and you don't have to do anything. They just want your presence. But um, I think being able to be available is the key to that as well.
0: I think that's a great point. And, and it, it happens that after time as well, they ask less and less and less Um, and, and that time, you know, when you think about the whole, you take your whole span of your life and how much of those years are actually as a child with your parent, which is very small and how much is, you know, a certain age group and how much you might be into something at a certain age level as well. Um, you know, and the, in the bigger spectrum of things, the big idea of things it's actually not, not, not a lot of time as well. And knowing that, okay, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'm going to set aside this time and, and be present with you and read this book or play, sit down and play with you as well Is yeah, they, they know that also they're of importance as well, too. Um, I, also, I also want to be cognizant of the fact, too, that for some parents as well, they, you can also set it, be clear about times like, I know you guys are doing this right now and this is an important time for me to complete this. So I'm going to be so let them know I'm going to be preoccupied or I'm going to be doing this right now. And I, I won't be able to to make this space away. But after this is complete and, you know, maybe I think I'm going to need about this amount of time, we can certainly go ahead and do this together or I can help you in, do, in doing this. Um, I think that's also, also important, you know, that it's you don't have to always have to give give up that you is still important for you as a parent too to have that space to do those things.
1: And it's important for kids to know that they're okay without you for that period of time, you know, and for them to build their patience and their disappointment and all of that, you know. Um, So, yeah, no, it's, but, and I do agree, Allison, like if they, if you can play with them, even if it's for four minutes, you know, it's like, I can, great, I can set the timer for five minutes. I can play with you, but then, you know what, I have food in the oven or I have to get the dinner going or whatever. You can help me with that if you'd like, um, but I can only play for five minutes right now. And that usually does it, right? That's usually enough to meet fill the little bucket and know that they're important to you. And
0: and then you can move on from there. I love that. I also wanted to add, Liana, you were talking about that. My parents never played with us either. Like never. They were busy doing their things. And we didn't homeschool. But my mom did stay at home with us until I think my brother started. She went back to work full time when my brother started going to school in grade one. And, um, but one thing my mom was really like, she, my mom was a very, very active person. Uh, She played tennis. She like, she rode, like she was always, um, you know, she really loved sports and she was always very active that way. So those are the things that we did with my mom. And my mom was, and, you know, those stories that we tell now are still related to those times. Like, you know, when she would, you know, my mom was like the mom, she'd get up at six o'clock in the morning to go play tennis and then come home. And this is in the summertime, wake us up and then get us dressed and, and have breakfast and then go back to the tennis court to play with her kind of thing. Or... Whoa. Yeah, yeah. She she was intense when it came to her sports and stuff. Or, you know, she was famous for like having these hikes across our city and she would like, you know, get like our friends and moms and we'd have like this huge group of us that would go walking for like eight hours. And like when my mom said we're going for a bike ride, it's not like we're going to go for 30 minutes. Expect to go for five hours kind of thing. Expect to go for most of the day. And, you know, that was, those were the kind of things that we did with my mom. Um, And those are the, me- you know, those big memories are related to those times when we would go out doing those things. Or, you know, she was very spontaneous, like, we're going to go to the mountains today, kind of thing. And, you know, we drive to the mountains and go hiking and walking around and then come back at night. And, you know, things like those were, those are those, you know, memories that we still keep with us. And I also think that's important. And those are part of the rhythms too that, you know, Liana, you really wanted to talk about how to be flexible as well and not be stuck to schedules or stuck to rhythms, Um, because sometimes the spontaneity is important, and not and being having allowances for that time to just kind of be free and and to spend together still makes those memories. And those memories are important. Those are the memories that really stick with us. Um, Usually, it's not the memories about having you know finishing that math textbook or, you know, something else. It's those other memories of, you know, remember when we decided to put all the books away and then go outside exploring, picking flowers, or, and then this happened, or, you know, we, we did this kind of, you know, we went and, and looked for this ladybug that we saw, or, you know, just those little memories are the ones that stay with us all the way through to adulthood. So that was just something I wanted to share.
1: I love that. That's absolutely absolutely true. Um, Robin, I was just messaging you. Did you want to go till 9 or 9:30 today? Either
0: works for me. What's your schedule like? Sorry, I just saw that message now. Uh, I, I have about 15 more minutes, so we can if that works okay, then. Okay, perfect. We can end about 9:10 then. Okay, cool. Then we can bring a couple
1: more people up that will bring another at least one more person up. Hopefully we'll get two more. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say too about the flow and and pieces is you learn so much about your um about the your family's rhythm and flow requirements by mixing it up for a period of time. Right? I mean, we just have had we're just finishing up a really different period in my family's life for the last three weeks because we have some friends two families that we're very close with that have different changes going on in their life. One of the parents that used to be a stay-at-home parent just started law school um, in Seattle, which is a couple hours away from us. So he's been basically living away from the home on the weekdays and his partner has been trying to take care of their little person and their little person is going to start preschool, but preschool hasn't started yet. So we've been providing some childcare for them. And then there's also another family that we're close with that. Um, the mom's a school teacher, the kid doesn't start school yet, but the school teachers have started school. And so we've been doing a ton of care for some other kids and having them in the fold of our family. And I also have a nanny that's been supporting us now too. So sometimes the nanny has all the kids. Sometimes I have the kids. It's a lot, a lot. So, um, it's so different. And my little son is for the first about two weeks, he did good. He was flexible. He was tired, but he was working it. He was trying to make it work with the kids. And this past week, he was just like, done. He's like, I, and he was literally just saying to some of the, one of his friends, when are you going to stop coming over? When is this going to be done? You know, I mean, he just is done. And yesterday, um, <laughs> so, so you know, he, real, it's right? Just, so honest and yeah, true. So real. Yeah. Yeah. So- when are you going to stop coming? And, um, they're just, he's just worn out. It's, and it's because it's too much changes and too many transitions within a day. It's not that he doesn't like being with the kids. It's just, there's too, too much of having to be somewhere at a certain time, get back in time for someone to get picked up and someone else to get dropped off. And there's just too many transitions in a day and he's exhausted. And, um, so it's a super wonderful lesson for me about, he was resilient. He happily did two weeks of it and then is like, this is not for me. I can't live this way. And so we need to be making structures that long-term don't require him to bounce all around town all day long and, um, and have to be different places throughout the day. And that's just a really important feedback for us. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. That little shift didn't really help me know, oh, it's not just how I like to be. This is also helpful for him. And he was able to do it for a couple of weeks in a season that we needed. And now he's ready for things to return back
0: to normal. I think that's also a like really that. good point that you just brought up. And Allison had talked about this too when she was talking about like her kids and their responses, feedback. Um, as we're talking about building our rhythms and flows and, and for our days or weeks or years to come, um, feedback and communication is important, Um, And it's okay to get the feedback from your kids. It's important. It's necessary because this is, you know, your family's learning life. We are all part of this circle. Um, So everyone needs to be involved and that. That communication loop is constant. Um, So and that feedback can be you can ask or you can just take the space to listen and to hear them as well. And usually I find they tell you, whether it's in body language or in words, uh, how things are flowing and working for them, too. And part of that feedback as well is, is, is being open to adjustment and not knowing that you have to stick with it. Like, no, nope, we made this plan. We got to stick with it. We're going to keep on going that it's okay to say, you know what? Okay, so let's look at what's not working. Um, You know, I you know, I've been feeling this or I hear you've been like you're ready not to have people come anymore. (laughs) You know, how can we shift this and make this work better and and create a new flow, possibly or alter it so that it's serving us and supporting us a lot more as well?
1: I love that. All right, uh, Monica. Hello, welcome. Nice to see you. Um. Oh, let me first just say, Vince, we see that your hand is raised. You were next in line. Um, we both invited you up, but you don't seem to be coming up. So, if you wanted to say something, you're not able to talk or something. Feel free to message us. Oh, there you are, Vince. Good. All right, we'll go to Monica, and then we will go to Vince. Monica.
3: Oh, thanks so much. Uh, I'm loving this conversation. I mean, it's and it's such an important one. Um. And that idea, I wanted to build off of what you were saying, this idea, your mom didn't do a lot with you all the time, but she was there, you know, and you knew you could count on her. And I think that's really what our kids need. They have to feel safe in our relationship that my mom's here for me, right? And there's something about that being, not always the doing, you know, and that's not always there for us. Yeah that we don't get that message. And um, I was a Montessori directress back in another lifetime, not another chapter of my life, I guess. But that idea of strewing is kind of what became, probably came, we were talking about it in the nineties. I'll tell you how, how long ago I was doing all these kind of things. Um, it was new then, but it, it comes from, and this is because Montessori, Dr. Montessori's birthday, was just the other day. I, she's been on my mind. She talked about the prepared environment, And there is something about changing things up a bit, you know, less is more that when we Rotate things. We put them away and they come back out. They're brand new again. You know, there's a level of novelty. Or I'm a little, little bit of a neuroscience geek too, but we we have this idea that oh, it's new. I can't wait to go do it. So you put some of the board games away, and then you bring them back out, or you put some, especially for very young children. They don't too many choices. They can't make a decision, and then it doesn't allow us to notice um, what is really the driver of learning, which is curiosity. And I think that. I think you, everybody up here spoke about this and that, you know, when they're older, you know, with older kids, because my kids are grown now and I work with kind of, I call them quirky learners, you know, kids who work, learn a little differently in their families. And I think one of the things that's so important is to help them develop some capacity for things. So a capacity for saying, I can do, you know, when they're older, what kind of things can you do on your own? What kind of things are you sure you need my help with? What kind of things are you not so sure? And I learned this from Pat Ferenga, who worked with John Holt. And, um, you know, we had this long conversation when he was a speaker at a conference. And um, it, it stayed with me, and it really helped my kids as they got to that middle childhood and on up. And, and I think those kind of things are so important because we're actually helping them become self-directed learners, you know, and – you know, starting to think about making a guess. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, it's okay if you don't know. You know, let's make a good guess. But I just think, you know, so much of what we're programmed is what are we doing with our kids. And a lot of it is being present and being there for our kids and and being aware of our own needs, too. So I think these are kind of ideas that maybe the pandemic has helped us remember a little bit. You know, that we need to slow down a little bit. Um, But now, as you know, hopefully some people are coming out of it. We're kind of in the Delta variant here. But just kind of being more intentional about some of the things. And I loved your story, Leon, about your little guy. You know there is only, there's only so much capacity for resilience, right? And he hit the wall, right? <laughs> he hit the wall. There's only so much I can remember. My kids going, when is this sleepover going to be over? You know these kids have been here too long. Um, so I just wanted to add those things because as a long time, um, not just homeschooler but educator, you know we really need to attune to each of our kids. And each of them have little different capacities. But if you want a really good book for parents on flow, Carmen Gamper is a, a colleague I just met this year. But she worked on um, Old Montessori, but she worked in the Rebecca Wild schools in Europe. She wrote a book called Flow, 52 Weeks of ways parents can easily incorporate flow in their lives. So um, it's really, it's short. And then she's got a little discovery journal and you don't have to do it in order. I mean, you can just open it up and choose an idea, but if you're kind of like, Oh, I don't have any good idea. That's a really good resource. So that's me. Thanks. I'm done. Thanks so much for inviting me up. I appreciate it all the time. Monica, what
1: was the last name of the author again?
3: Her last name is Carmen Gamper, G-A-M-P-E-R.
0: Perfect. Yeah, thank, thank you, you. I Monica. I'm really I think in she, that. she hosted, was it through your site? Or she also hosted an online um, discussion as well, too. And I remember. Yeah, it was, what we did was, there's a group on Facebook, if you're interested. Because what
3: we've learned is as we grow as people, um, our ability to be flexible and embrace alternatives in education happened. So where's a Facebook group that grew out of the Aero conference, which is the alternative education resource organization last, last year. And it's called personal growth meets alternative education. And it's in my bio, but um, yeah, she came and she was great because there's four sections to the book and she literally came every couple of months. And we talked about another session, another section. So she's great. And, um, yeah, that's awesome. And I will put a plug in for Aero too. They're doing an awesome, excuse me, alternative education resource center starter course. So if there's any of you looking to put together like one gal's putting together a co-working kind of place, the museum, places where kids can get together, they're doing a class and it's Aero, A-E-R-O dot, Aero dot org. And, and just direct message me if you can't find it. Um, but they're going to be starting something. And that's another great organization to thanks, connect Monica. with people. so yeah thanks for, for asking
0: personal growth meets alternative education and it's fantastic and i think that might have been where you and i first crossed paths or met but um some great resources, and I can also share them in my Instagram stories as well as, as everyone mentions. And I love that developing capacity. Uh, that's a great term to use, and helping them to build that independence and that self direction. You know, what do you what what do you feel capable and strong, or want to try and do? What do you feel you still need a bit of help with? And then again, that that conversation, that flow, continuing with them too. So It's uh, an excellent way to term it, Liana. Did you or you were just clapping? <laughs> yeah, I was just. Yes, happy I do because too. It was awesome. I so it we have Vince on much. the stage <laughs> as well. We I you know we're getting to our time. Vince, thanks for coming up, and I'm going to pass the mic to you.
4: Welcome. Yeah, I was just curious. So, what do you do when, like, for example, you're homeschooling and uh, you you kind of taught your child all the math that you know, and you're you're trying to learn the uh, advanced math like calculus or whatever and you're just not learning it enough to teach your child, how, how are you going to allow your, how do uh, homeschoolers get their children all the way to differential equations if they want to?
0: That's a great question. Liana, did you want to answer that first and then I can add to it? Because I know you've been in that situation as an unschooler.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, when when really there's anything that your child desires to learn, or you feel like they need to learn, that you don't personally contain the skills for or have that knowledge on on your own, that's okay. Like, there's nothing there's, that's never an obstacle because there are a lot of other people in this world that know how to do that thing. And they, um, you know, are specialists in teaching that thing. And particularly with math, that's one of the easiest ones nowadays, because there are so many programs and curriculums and textbooks and online programs and tutors and classes and everything that you would need to do to support either for you to learn the skill yourself, if you're committed to or interested in learning it also, um, or for your child to learn that independently and be supported in that learning. I mean, um, I studied classical singing, I studied piano, I studied violin. My parents didn't know how to do any of those things, right? So the thought that they would need to know how to do the math that I'm learning is just kind of like an old concept that we have of what the role of teacher is compared to just a facilitator of their learning, right? So there's really no requirement for you to know those things. It's just for you to help them access those resources. Me personally, when I was a teenager, I had a math tutor um, and that I had a, I think I had like a 20-minute math lesson in person with a teacher once a week and that was plenty for me. I just did it for a year and that got me into college level math. And then I started taking math classes at at the local college and then was able to you know just continue with my collegiate career studying math that way. But there's so so many different ways that you can do that. Um, No reason for you to have to hold the knowledge yourself.
0: Yeah and to add to that I don't think there's too much to add to that. I I just want to share a story um, because I think this relates really well. So yesterday we had a homeschool gathering and this uh, picnic, and we were asking actually a actually a school administrator who had come by to visit to say hello that we knew, um, and we were asking him specific questions and sharing some stories about our kids, especially this a few of us moms that had have kids that are in high school, and one of the moms shared that um, her son. Had done some online schooling, some distance learning, online learning, and one of them was a math class, but him and his teacher just did not jive at all in this math class. And the teacher failed him. She just, you know, they butted heads. She felt, said he, you know, this kind of learning doesn't work for him, and all these, this whole list of things. Um, She said basically her her son was, um, because this is an example of how they butted heads, she said he, he, didn't do any of the assignments and homework, refused to until the day before it was the last time to hand it in and the whole entire coursework he handed in the day before (laughs) that was the deadline for all of it. And, you know, it was like, he was like, well, this is a deadline. Here's all of the homework and coursework. And the teacher was, you know, they'd already been butting heads. So she wasn't really willing to mark it and give him a mark. Um, But the thing was, is he kept like saying that he wasn't, you know, this information was not new for him or, you know, it just wasn't working for him. Uh, And so even though there was all this concern, because she said, I couldn't teach it, I didn't have this knowledge and understanding. But what happened was, is her son, actually, he wasn't struggling at math at all. He was actually far above and beyond that particular course. And so he ended up finding, um, so through the university in Australia, uh, some university math courses and he started taking math courses through this uh, online, you know, like we have MOOC and all those um, free online courses at like Stanford and different universities are offering, offering. He started doing math through those courses and he loved it. He had no problem whatsoever. um, And that is how he was connecting with math. Now, like she says, he's 14 he runs servers in their basements he is coding and programming <laughs> all she said and all of the math that she sees that he's doing is far beyond anything that she understands or knows but she knows that there are many others out there that obviously like you know like him finding those classes as well that worked for him that it can also challenge him and support him uh, because her question for this one administrator was is what do you do with when you have a student like my son who maybe might be interested in taking a math course, but do you even have a math course in your district that can support him? (laughs) Um, And, you know, the answer was, uh, you know, maybe we don't actually. Um, So, you know, she said in our home, his his math is far beyond anyone else, but we certainly can connect him um, with others and, and offer him like, resources where he can do things like running servers and, and coding and programming. And she said the biggest thing for them is the conversation. And so that he can, you know, come to the dinner table and talk about all those things that he's creating and learning that are all math related, and they can just ask him and learn from him. And that encourages that curiosity and ongoing knowledge as well. So that was just a little personal story I wanted to share about that. Does that help answer question, your question, Vince?
4: Yeah, that helps. Thank you. Um, Yeah, you know, um, I was thinking more, you know, my, my, uh, like, teacher assistants or finding tutors, uh, I kind of feel like you could get an engineering, you could probably, that you would take in undergrad engineering, one-on-one work, homeschooling, you could probably learn all that before you even, turn 18. So I was thinking more of all the subjects. I just use math as an in, in, uh, example. Um, yeah. yeah just-
1: no, that, that makes sense, Vince. That's exactly true. Most young people, if they're excited to learn something, there's no reason why they can't learn almost all of it that would be in an undergraduate program well before they're 18 years old. Um, I say that as someone who was unschooled and then also went on to do undergraduate and master's degree programs. I mean, it's it's i I knew many many homeschool children when I was growing up that had all of the subject matter expertise of an undergraduate program you know by sixteen easily easily it's all it's all doable through the homeschooling lens it's pretty amazing
0: yes absolutely
4: I'm, I'm just curious how much of that was self taught or versus uh, tutors those for those kids that got that that uh, stud- uh, comprehended all those engineering classes before 18?
1: Um, for, for the children that I'm thinking of particularly, it was um, self-taught or through different online type courses that they accessed individually rather than like separate. Um, it wasn't like a online school or something, but it wasn't through paid private tutoring.
0: Yeah, there's actually a a documentary by Jeremy Stewart. Um, I know through our summit, we offer discounts to what his first documentary on homeschooling. It it follows a homeschooling family from the very beginning called Class Dismissed. But recently, the last few years, he made a second one. Um, And it's about grown unschoolers and self-directed learners. Uh, I think it's called Self-Directed Journey, or I can't remember the exact title, but it has self-directed in it. Uh, it's a great one because it shows how they had that time and space to really focus on uh, those specific uh, interests and deep dive and one <clears throat> one was uh, he was unschooled and his his uh, origami became his amazing focus and he became Like, you know, as a kid, he was featured in magazines, his origami was featured in exhibits. uh, And he's really since gone on to uh, being like, I think it's like a math and science focus. I think he's actually doing his PhD right now. Full scholarship was offered to him by, oh my God, I can't even remember what university, but he had actually stopped going to school and then hadn't done anything school like, but really it was self directed in his journey because he just, Dove into those specifics of um, really math-related ideas, and uh, then he found other supports on his own. But really, it was very self-directed and that focused time that allowed him to really build and be creative in that too. I think we forget how math is such a creative area that it's we, we mistake it for thinking it's calculations and memorization. But it's actually like it, the patterns and the creativity in math is so overlooked sometimes that something like math does need that creative space to really just explore and try and create and do. So, Monica, did you have something to add? And then I think we're going to start wrapping up. Here yeah,
3: yeah, I do. And, if, and there's a, a gal who um, started a learning center in Connecticut that was on the ground. It was called Workspace Education, and she's now in the sky. It's called WorkspaceSky.org, and um, I just mentioned that for Vince, you know, when your kids get to be um, teenagers, and that's actually when I first started home learning. I've been in alternative education since 1978, but it was my own son who said school is like a prison, and, and it was all because he was so advanced in math. When we found a math class, there was nobody his own age. Here he is. He's 13, 14 and and everybody else is 17, 18. And it didn't wasn't working for him. Um, but, we, um, but this kind of, she's setting it up and, and it's going to be wonderful because if you're looking to marinate your kid, that's her idea. Marinate in people, mentors, other people who share your interests, your passions, because we have so much in our society of kids being the same age. And that's what we found out about my son, is that he didn't need people who were his age. He needed people who had his interest. And we did... Um, I bought the sax Math. You guys will all this is back, you know, in the day. Paid a whole bunch of money for it. And I hired a tutor. And he said he's really sorry that I gave him that book because it wasn't the right one. He doesn't... 32 problems. So this guy kind of became a mentor much more. My son was, you know, 14, hopped on his bike, went down to his condo, and then we found mentors because he was into programming and computers, and he mentored with a guy. And he went at night, which was so cool, you know, to go install computer systems at night. Um, so we did, you know, so those are the kind of things, Vince, as your kids get older, we're not um, necessarily the content people, but we're the facilitators because we have the executive skills they don't have yet. So we can kind of keep a lot of ideas in our head and we can plan and implement. And then the mo- one of the most important things we do is reflect with our kids. We reflect on the experience so that they it becomes part of their knowledge base of how to make decisions and what worked and um, what doesn't work. Because that's the piece that, you know, they run up high and low because that's where their brain is. And we're kind of... Those people along the side. So I just wanted to add that, having been through it, it is a little bit scary. Um, you know, what about when your kids know more than what you do? It is a little bit disconcerting, you know. But you know, the the reality is, our kids figure that out when they're about ten, anyway. It just isn't so. They <laughs> just don't say it out loud yet. So good luck, Vince, and feel free to DM me if you want to talk anytime. Been there, done that. Have have a couple of those kids that just you know were kind of off the charts in areas I'm not.
4: Thank you.
1: Wow. All right. Well, this has been a super great room. Robin, do you have anything else you wanted to say? We didn't even really get to community, right? Was, <laughs> <laughs> we
0: just yeah, keep go on and We on. didn't even get to community. We'll have to continue that um, another Saturday here. I'm trying to remember what we do have scheduled for the next Saturday. I don't know, Leanna, if you're able to check that out. I don't have it written down in front of me and I trying to go back on this app. But um, yeah, join us again, join Liana and Kelly on Monday and myself on Tuesday, and then we'll be back next Saturday. If we've missed you, we've raised your hand, we apologize, please feel free to message us in the back chat. And we can make sure we address those questions in the next, the next time and or feel free to DM us with any of those questions that we can directly answer as well. So
1: it looks like we have Um, not next weekend is the weekend I was going to be gone. And the week after that, we put on their. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, great. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, next weekend, Liana's gone, but Tyra and I will be co-hosting together. And, um, I'm not sure if Tyra is still in the room right now. So, and then after that, perfect. That worked out well. I guess we kind of knew that might play out that way. All right. Woohoo! Right, thank you everyone. I am I hope everyone has a great weekend. We are definitely you can DM us. We're here for support. I'm looking forward to going. I'm going to be away working on um finishing up the the all of those extra things that we're doing in our those extra freebies and things like that. in our masterclass, um, actually one of them ironically is I'm kind of like a movie night or a link to create your own movie night during the masterclass with Jeremy Stewart's, um, movies, which is cool with class dismissed and, uh, a bit of a discussion and it's a great support. I loved it in my journey. So that will be one of the things that will be accessible for those in the masterclass too. So, um, if you have any questions, DM us, DM Liana as well, Monica, any of us. I know there are that we, we, you know, we're happy to support and we know what it is like on this journey when we have questions or doubts. So, um, yeah, and tune into the podcast. You uh, we will be airing these on the podcast as well. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Liana? No, only we have. One more
1: hand raise that we didn't get to, but I've been messaging with them and connecting with them that way. So we're good for this week. Perfect.
0: Enjoy, everyone.
1: All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye bye.
4: Thanks for tuning
0: in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review, or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com.